Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS. And that link will be in the show notes. The reason that the adrenals change their hormone output is because it's an adaptive response. A lot of people don't necessarily know that cortisol in high quantities for a long period of time is actually damaging to the brain. Stress is the inflammation that robs us of life, energy, and happiness. Our typical solutions for gut health and hormone balance have let a lot of us down. We're over-medicated and underserved. At The Less Stressed Life, we're a community of health-savvy women exploring solutions outside of our traditional Western medicine toolbox and training to raise the bar and change our stories. Each week, our hope is that you leave our sessions inspired to learn, grow, and share these stories to raise the bar in your life and home. Access to functional or specialized medicine testing and standard blood work is a big piece of personalizing care plans to help our clients succeed. But getting accounts with multiple labs and ordering and tracking results from many different web portals slows efficiency by bogging us down in admin work. This is why I'm completely obsessed with our podcast sponsor, Rupa Health. It's a single portal that allows you to order from over 20 specialty labs in one incredibly simple dashboard. I'm talking less than 30 seconds to set up your free account and about 30 seconds to order the labs you need. All the results are in one place and I can securely send clients their results with the click of a button. A big advantage for our clients is that standard blood work can be ordered for almost two thirds less than other direct to consumer lab sites. Rupa is a lab concierge, so they send the lab invoices on your behalf if a client pays for their own labs. They help them get set up with a lab draw, navigate testing questions, and they provide the requisition forms. It's literally a dream. Go sign up for free to help streamline your practice and simplify ordering labs for your clients at rupahealth.com. That's R-U-P-A health.com and let them know I sent you when you sign up. You can also check out the show notes for this episode for a short video walkthrough of how I use Rupa Health in my own practice. All right. Today on The Less Just Life, we have Laura Schoenfeld, who's an RD women's health expert and business coach for integrative and functional dietitians and nutritionists. Her mission is to educate women on how to nourish their bodies, minds, and spirits and help nutrition professionals grow and scale a successful business. So really, she's got like some fun background. So she was trained in functional medicine, working with really Chris Kresser back in the day. It was a long time ago. We can talk about when that was. And I invited Laura on today because I know Laura. I traveled to Texas with Laura last year. 
and got to know her a little bit better. And I thought she could have a unique perspective because I once upon a time remember her having an adrenal program. And when you have stress going on or you're a high performer, then your adrenals tend to suffer. And that doesn't really work as we get older. We don't age gracefully, I don't think, because your adrenals need to take on the brunt. Like Anyway, we'll talk about hormone downstream effects in a minute. But I thought she would be an interesting person to talk to because she went from working with clients and having this adrenal program. And now she works with business owners, those starting their business, growing their business, which is, I mean, honestly, it is a challenging time. Like in the times where we're growing and whatnot, like if we're not just kind of complacent, there's an opportunity for stress there. So I thought she'd be a great person for us to talk to today about hormone health for entrepreneurs, specifically the things that we see in successful powerhouse women that makes it so that they don't have the energy and the stamina to sustain or like kill it in their business as much as they could. So welcome, Laura. Thanks, Krista. I feel like there's a lot we could talk about with the last decade of <laughs> the many lives I've lived in business. So I'm um, happy to be here. Yeah. Well, how long ago was your foray? I think you really just went into functional medicine kind of right out of school. What year was that approximately? Like, Take us back to that just a touch. Yeah. So I started working for Chris Kresser in 2012. I was still in school back then. So I almost feel like I got just as much education from that as I did my master's degree program. So as soon as I graduated, I started my business in early 2014. So that is coming on 8 years ago that I've been in business. And it's changed a lot since then. But for the first 5 to 6 years, I was primarily focused on mostly women's hormone health. I did have a few male clients, but really my passion was helping women who tended to get themselves into trouble with their hormones, whether that be sex hormones, adrenal hormones, thyroid hormones, any of those hormone issues that can develop from the habits that unfortunately our society tends to encourage us to develop. Okay. So that was your focus, which explains a little bit why you had this adrenal program. Do you want to share about like how you decided to extract and run that at that time. So adrenals, and I will like, maybe I'll let you set the stage on adrenals. Like, why do we care about adrenals a little bit? And why did you create that program? Like, what were you seeing in your clientele? Yeah. So I'm going to have to knock the rust off my biochemistry a little bit because it's like, I'm mostly talking about marketing and webinars and funnels and that kind of thing these days. But our adrenals are really our primary stress hormone producers. And when we're under a lot of stress, our adrenals are the ones that really help our body adapt to that stress. Now, typically in the thousands of years of human history, we would have short-term stressors like a tiger chasing us is always that cliche example. Things that would happen that our body would react to with a stress response usually have a pretty strong stress response. And then once the threat was over, we could go back into a more chill, calm type of nervous system setup. So when we're in our current modern environment, we're experiencing stress that doesn't really go away, especially in the last year and a half. Like I feel like it's pretty much universally been a year of nonstop stressors. And a lot of them are actually life and death stressors, right? Like we used to talk more about, oh, you know, getting emails and working too much and that kind of thing. And I think the last year and a half has actually brought into the equation that whole life and death decision-making and a lot of really significant stress that is extremely difficult for our nervous system to be dealing with every day for, you know, almost years at this point. So when your body's under that stress for a long period of time, your adrenal glands start to actually adapt to that stressing situation 
people used to get all weird about the term adrenal fatigue because they would say, oh, your adrenals don't get tired. That's Addison's if they start to not work and that's an autoimmune disease and adrenal fatigue is nonsense. So the thing that's really important for people to understand is that the reason that the adrenals change their hormone output is because it's an adaptive response. A lot of people don't necessarily know that cortisol in high quantities for a long period of time is actually damaging to the brain. So the brain does not want our cortisol to be very high all the time. And cortisol is one of our primary stress hormones. So if it's exposed to cortisol chronically for a long period of time, your brain actually tells your adrenal glands to slow down the production of that hormone and to really reduce it so that it's not risking brain damage. So that's usually where we get into that situation of quote unquote adrenal fatigue, where cortisol is low. And that's a lot of times where symptoms like that tired and wired feeling where you wake up feeling like you got hit by a truck, but then you can't sleep at night, brain fog, other hormone issues. Our sex hormones actually interact with our adrenal hormones. So irregular missing periods, painful periods, that kind of stuff can show up in women as well. So there's a lot of symptoms that can develop when we have either very high or low or just imbalanced cortisol over a period of time. And a lot of times it's our choices as far as how we're living our lives and also our choices about how we're going to emotionally react to the circumstances that we're in that can create that. And I do think a lot of women who are in businesses deal with a lot of stuff that is more stressful. If you're an entrepreneur, you probably know what I'm talking about. And so because a lot of times we're performance-driven, I don't know about you, but I am very performance-driven. It's one of these things where a lot of times you have to really check yourself to make sure you're not just going you know, 100 miles per hour all the time because that is something that can lead to that development of dysregulated cortisol and other hormones in your body. Perfect. So if you want to add anything more, you did a good job kind of like giving us a little bit of lay of the land and what that could feel like kind of being feeling hit by a truck in the morning and then being wired and tired at night. If you want to share any more adrenal-like symptoms, and then also talk to us about like the timeline to get better with adrenal stuff. Yeah. And actually, I missed the second part of your question last time about what inspired me to create that program. At that time, that was back in 2015, myself and one of our mutual friends, Kelsey Kinney, were running a podcast together. We were working for Chris together and we were like, we should create a program for something. And we kept seeing people, especially doing paleo, that were experiencing these kind of symptoms because of things like too low carb eating, too low calorie eating, excessive exercise, just the stuff that at that point was super popular in the ancestral health paleo space and wasn't working well for people, especially over the long run. So we saw an opportunity to create a program. Ironically, we called it paleo rehab because we were basically saying, Hey, if you've developed health challenges because of your paleo lifestyle, this program is designed to help you out of those. And a lot of the focus was on eating enough, eating more carbs, addressing exercise, like not quitting exercise, but making sure people weren't overdoing it, putting in lifestyle habits like sleep and stress management, that kind of thing. So that was really born out of just an observation that a lot of people were experiencing these problems. As far as symptoms are concerned, honestly, it can run the gamut. There's so many different things that are affected by your stress hormones, unintentional weight gain, unintentional weight loss, hair loss, skin issues, gut symptoms like IBS, bloating, diarrhea, constipation, that kind of thing. I had mentioned before the irregular or missing periods, periods that are really painful, usually due to low progesterone in that circumstance or not ovulating, fertility issues, 
you know, autoimmune disease can get triggered by chronic stress. So, I mean, I feel like if you just like get WebMD open and <laughs> look at all the symptoms you could be experiencing, we could probably find a tie to stress for most things that people experience. Oh, for sure. And I would have to say, so what year was Paleo Rehab? 2015 was when we launched it. So last year I played with doing kind of a four week, I don't remember what, I think I called it adrenal resilience or something. And I remember the person I was working with at the time, she's like, I think this is excellent, but I think it's ahead of its time. Like right now people are aware of gut health. And when you use the word adrenal, like it might catch people really savvy, but it's like, it's kind of a big catch-all, right? You can have someone who's like, they are acknowledging severe burnout and they're like, kind of a hot mess express. And then there are more of the people we're talking about today, which is really a results-driven woman who is bulldozing through stress and kind of tucking it away, probably Mm -hmm. just putting it under the rug. And so the most harmful thing there is just lack of awareness and not realizing it until you kind of realize like, I don't feel awesome Mm -hmm. all of a sudden one day. And I think some of the things I see a lot is that impact of low progesterone, which is going to affect ovulation, which is going to affect cycle length, which is going to allow estrogen to be more dominant, which is going to maybe make you have fertility issues. And then of course the autoimmune thing. So I just wanted to underline that probably because today it's such a big (laughs) discussion and client phone calls, but it just feels like such a big thing. Now you said at that time, low carb, high exercise was a thing. I would argue that we're still dealing with that right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it might not be like the low carb, paleo stuff the way it was seven years ago. But I will say that restrictive eating in general can lead to the same issue. So anytime you're avoiding large amounts of foods for whatever reason, even if it's theoretically to improve your health, that a lot of times will lead to energy deficit, right? Like total calories. It's just hard to eat a lot of food sometimes when you're on a super restricted diet. And Also just, I mean, even macronutrient deficiencies, like I think any of the popular diets that are out there right now are really easy to to become deficient in. I mean, carbs is usually if you're doing like, again, the paleo, low carb, keto, that kind of thing. But then you think about something like vegetarian veganism, that's difficult to get enough protein and low protein affects your cortisol because of the impacts on blood sugar. Also fat, you know, healthy fats from animal sources. If you're not eating those, then a lot of times it can be hard to get enough of the fats your body needs to produce hormones. And so there's just a lot of dietary strategies out there that do not support good hormone production and are unintentionally deficient in whether that be calories, macronutrients, or even micronutrients, right? Like there's certain nutrients. Like I know we talked a ton about vitamin A when we were together in Texas a couple months ago. And that's a nutrient that I'd say most people are probably not getting a lot of in their diet. So it's one of these things where whether you're eating the standard American diet or you're on one of these special quote unquote healthy diets that you think is better, there's a lot of times going to be deficiencies that are not actually allowing your body to function optimally. And that in and of itself is a stressor. So if you layer on a pandemic and running a business and maybe you have kids and maybe you have, you know, family you're worried about or, you know, there's uh job insecurity, all of these things that layer on top of each other make it a lot harder for your body to actually handle things like a slightly, you know, malnourished diet. So it's just something that I honestly think the vast majority of people in this country would be experiencing. I don't know about you, but I think it's rare to meet somebody at this point that has a really nourishing diet and a low stress lifestyle. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't actually think I can think of somebody that I would categorize there. So, 
all of us need to be thinking about this, myself included, especially because like I was saying before, I tend to be someone who can kind of ignore that I'm not feeling well or that I'm pushing myself too much until it actually becomes a real problem. And that is one of the reasons I got excited about that topic going into my business because I had dealt with it. I had dealt with irregular periods. I dealt with painful periods. I dealt with fatigue for a long time. I mean, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease, but I honestly, looking back, don't think it was Lyme disease causing me to feel the way I was feeling. I think it was the food and exercise and stress habits that I had developed. So, I mean, I'll never know for sure, but yeah, I mean, (laughs) I don't know for sure, but it is something where I think I was being treated for something that there was some other issues going on that who knows, maybe the Lyme was contributing to it, but I don't think it was a hundred percent of why I was feeling so crappy. I wanted to chime in one thing and then we'll move on to kind of entrepreneur habits and things that we're seeing in people. But back to the low carb thing, I think one of the reasons people like low carb still is because they feel better on it. And why would they feel better on it? So carbs are used for energy. And if you're not digesting them well because of gut imbalances, you feel more tired and bloated after you consume them. So that's a root cause. It's not like you're supposed to feel good from good carbohydrates, technically. So I just want to mention that because that's that's such a common thing, I think. Mm -hmm. And so I want to mention that if you're tired after eating like that, if you're tired after eating carbohydrates, it's because you're not using them. You're not digesting and using them as energy, which I think is something I probably need to say much more often. Like that's not normal. Well, and so there's that. And then there's also the fact that carbohydrates are actually a stress reducer. So if you are running on stress hormones and adrenaline and like you're just really amped up and then you go eat a high carb meal, it's actually kind of normal for you to have a fatigue response after that because eating in general is stress relieving and carbohydrates are stress relieving. And I'm not saying people should feel exhausted after food. That's obviously not a healthy way to feel. But if you're feeling exhausted after eating a more carb-dense meal and you've maybe looked into the gut stuff and it seems to be okay, it could actually be kind of a pendulum swing of your body being like, okay, now we can relax. And you almost have that like over-the-top relaxation like just, oh my gosh, we need to rest right now kind of response. Because I've seen that before where people's guts were totally fine. But if they ate too much food in general, they would just like conk out. And it went away after a while once they were eating more on a consistent basis and getting their stress levels down. But that can be a sign that your body is actually running on those stress hormones. Because you know if somebody says, oh, I get more tired when I eat breakfast in the morning and like I'd rather just have a cup of coffee and not eat until one o'clock because I feel more energized. That's a situation where you're like, oh, that's like not actually good to be living that way. And that's a really, really common lifestyle for entrepreneurs that I've seen. That's a good segue. So let's talk about like what I continually see is I've got these brilliant women that are accidentally and myself included. I was in this grouping. I mean, I was just trying to work on lunch before we jumped on this call. It's like, what are some common things you see in successful women that's not serving them, right? And if you don't have your health, it's hard for you to have like, to feel good enough to want to, especially we are literally talking like you help healthpreneurs, right? And I would just argue that like when your health is not good, it's quite a distraction from a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. It really is. So what are some of these habits that you've seen in people that are kind of degrading health instead of supporting so they can have more energy and run their businesses or, or do whatever? Yeah. And I have experience from personal experience. I also have experience from my clients that I work with. And I also 
have experience speaking with colleagues that are running, you know, super successful, mostly online businesses, but there's a lot of common threads. One of them that I see in a lot of the people I work with is a lack of structure in their schedule. So you were talking about lunch. A lot of times people don't even make space in their calendar for meals when they're working during the day and they're just hoping that they'll get hungry enough to like remember to eat at some, you know, interval of time that's available and especially when you're under stress a lot of times your appetite is suppressed. So you're not going to necessarily feel hungry until it's, you know, five o'clock and you're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even eat. I'm so hungry. Like it just hits you all of a sudden. So creating a schedule that actually allows for breaks and allows for downtime, like setting, I would say a minimum of a 30 minute lunch. Like I like to have an hour long break because I know I'm a little prone to running into that break. So I really try to set a full hour on my schedule to have lunch. And there's still days where in that hour, I end up leaving like 10 minutes to shove something in. So just creating the time for it is really, really important and making it a calendar appointment and treating it like a calendar appointment and not saying, Oh, I'll just like sneak something in later and I'll just work through this break that I was supposed to have. So not having control of your schedule, letting your clients dictate your schedule is something that I see a lot, especially with like lunch breaks, right? Like a lot of your clients are going to want that time because they're on their lunch break and they want to have an appointment during their lunch break. And then what can happen is if you don't have any boundaries around when you schedule clients, they can end up getting into times where you would normally be having breaks, feeding yourself, that kind of thing. So on that thread, especially if somebody's working with clients, I think overbooking and undercharging is super common, especially for dietitians and nutritionists, because for whatever reason, we were taught that we shouldn't charge that much money for our services. And somehow we should... uh, you know. Be like a charity and a business at the same time. So if you're seeing 12 clients back to back for the whole day, I mean, even if you get lunch in, that's a really stressful schedule, especially women. I don't think we're designed to be able to tolerate 12 straight hours of client work, right? Like that's a lot of energy to be putting out into the world and not giving yourself an opportunity to take energy back in. So I think just overall schedule management is a really common issue, both in the clients I work with and even friends of mine, like in, I'm in a mastermind and I've talked to some of them before and they like literally don't have lunch breaks. Or I have a friend who she'll go out and get coffee at like 4 PM to like (laughs) keep going. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's trashing your adrenals. If you are just having caffeine, espresso drinks all day. So that's another one having coffee to keep us alert instead of recognizing why we may not be feeling alert during the day. So And I'm not perfect, but I do think something that I've really been working on over the last year is delegating. So another thing I see is people that think I need to do it all myself and they either feel like they don't have the money to hire help or they have this weird belief that it's their business. So they have to do it all. And, you know, hiring help is like some kind of cop out or something like that, whether that's hiring help in the business or hiring help at home. You know, I'm constantly telling my clients to get a housekeeper, even if it's for two hours a week, just to have some help so that they can actually have a break. And it's one of these things where some of the women, especially that I work with, are like, it's like mind blow emoji. Like the idea of having someone come and clean your house is just like unheard of to them. And, you know, sometimes we'll talk about it in a financial sense, like, okay, what could you do with that two hours that could make you back? that $50 you just spent on hiring somebody instead of cleaning it yourself. But also just the energy that gets leaked when you're running your business and you're working all day. And then you're also 
doing everything at home domestically. It's like, I just think it's absurd that women put that pressure on themselves to do like a full-time job and full-time domestic life, especially with mothers. I think mothers have it the worst out of all of us when they're running businesses. So I think delegation, whether that be hiring help for your business, like a VA or somebody who can take some of the work off your plate so that you can have more downtime. It's not to just fill that time with more work. It's to actually have that recovery time, that rest time so that you can operate at your fullest potential and give yourself the mental and physical breaks you need. And again, sometimes the easiest thing to hire is actually domestic support to make sure that you're not getting off the computer after a long day of work and then going down and like doing dishes right afterwards. So that's my opinion about that. But I think those are some of the really common challenges I see that seem to affect women more than men. I do think there's some level of like weird sexism stuff about women being expected to do domestic duties instead of men. So the male entrepreneurs like can rely on their partner to take mm-hmm. care of the home. But when you're a female entrepreneur, it's a lot of times you're doing both. So I think not having any shame around getting help with that, whether it's hiring or even asking your partner, like my husband cooks dinner most nights during the week because I'm the one that's working full time. So, you know, not feeling like, oh, there's something wrong with me as a wife because my husband's doing the cooking and the cleaning and I have somebody doing my laundry, like just letting go of any sort of stories about what that means is super, super important. So I can talk forever. So I want to let you (laughs) jump in if you have anything to add or if you have a question. Yeah, I'll kind of run through the list there. So habits we see in highly successful entrepreneurs that kind of demolish health and energy lack of structure, like, um, and you mentioned appetite being suppressed under stress. So just kind of hoping you're going to get hungry instead of scheduling it for an optimal circadian rhythm, which is going to be great wake sleep schedules and good energy. There is kind of a formula to follow, but the real crux of, and the foundation of it is consistency. And so I think back to the first couple of years in practice, and I wasn't scheduling. I didn't have lunch blocked off on my calendar. So when you have an open calendar where people can come in and kind of book things, they're booking over the top of it. And I remember sometimes getting really like, there went my lunchtime, like someone booked over the top of it because I had not like made it unavailable. And there was like this one moment in time where my husband got a different phone and I shared my calendar with him. Like I could block off names and things, but I could show him like what was up. Cause I was trying to like share, I was trying to communicate family activities. And he's like, who puts eat lunch in their calendar <laughs> because he doesn't have an appointment style day like that, right? Like he mm-hmm. is going to schedule time to eat. That is, and the other thing about that is I remember sometimes getting to the end and I, there can still be days like this where if I get to the end of the day and I'm pretty exasperated, I need to stop and say, like, usually it's going to be that I didn't have enough nourishment at lunch. Like I under ate at lunch is going to be mm-hmm. usually the experience at 5 p.m. And how good do you think you're going to be at nourishing after that if you're exasperated at that moment? Mm-hmm. So one of the things I always say, like I'm not an overwhelming meal planner. It's a noble obstacle to me. But if you like know in the morning or at least by lunch, like what do I think I will have tonight so I can like get something out or kind of like generally know a little bit, it doesn't have to be too hard. That helps because when your brain is maybe a little bit done at the end of the day, by the second full day of back-to-back clients, I am kind of ready for my break on Thursday morning. And I'm not in a position to make great decisions about eating mealtimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's good to say it. So anyway, so structuring, I think this can be hard when you're newer and you don't have like such a full calendar. But if you just go in and block that off now, like where can I fit appointments? What time am I going to start? What time am I going to finish? And I mean, that requires, I would say, 
continuous assessment, all Mm -hmm. of these things, like you said, overbooking and my drinking coffee to stay alert instead of like, I mean, what does that mean? Like, so coffee for one, like it's fun. If it, like, you have to always ask yourself, why am I drinking coffee? Is it for enjoyment or is it because I must rely on it? And I think Mm -hmm. that is a scary question to ask ourselves sometimes. If I'm relying on it, is there something better to be done here? So for example, like I have all clients start with electrolytes and you'll find me right now having electrolytes in the afternoon because that's better fuel to have those minerals to make energy and I'll have more sustained energy throughout the afternoon. And I normally have a half hour, which gets a little bit bumped into at lunch. Today, I got an hour. And did I get my lunch eaten? No. I went outside because I have a late day today and I got some sunshine, which was also really nice. So like that helps us just feel like the day doesn't suck. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. if you're like continuously overbooking and all these things, eventually you're going to be like, why am I even doing this? This sucks. So, another thing that you talked about trying to do everything, et cetera. Another thing I wanted to add here, in addition to like the main thing I see, which is not eating lunch, was like, are you working on the weekend all the time? Is it like constant and chronic? Are you actually getting a break? Or are you working late at night and compromising sleep regularly? If you have a short-term project for like a week, that's one thing. But if it's like all the time and there's not an end in sight, then that's not going to be a sustainable option whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Right? So like... Well, and I'll even say like in my business, and I, I know not everybody's business is like this, but we have seasons where there's super busy times that you kind of have to like suck it up and deal with being on a, you know, on a computer at 10 o'clock at night or something like that. Not that that's ideal, but obviously, you know, stuff happens. Something that I tend to struggle with is giving myself the downtime after something like that. Mm-hmm. Cause I sometimes it's forget three problem. Yeah. <laughs> so I sometimes forget. It's like, dude, you just worked like 60, 70 hours, hour weeks for the last month. Why don't you take a couple days off? And for whatever reason, for me, it's really hard to just like not do stuff. My husband will confirm that he's like the master of not doing stuff. And he's like, why can't you just relax? So I think for me, I've gotten my week to week calendar under control. I'm very good at setting boundaries and like everything's scheduled. My dinner scheduled, my date night scheduled, my workouts are scheduled. Like I've created that schedule to make sure that it's always there for me. Cause if I don't create it, it's going to create itself and it's not going to be good. But then this year went into the expectation of setting the last couple days of each month off completely and then one week a quarter off completely and we've been okay with like following through on that but I haven't been as good at doing that as I'd wanted to and I think for me it is that situation where I can go really hard on something and then it's done and then be like all right what's the next thing and not really take that pause so if you're really good at daily schedules you may want to look at like your monthly or quarterly schedules and ask yourself like am I taking appropriate rest on a seasonal level and not just like one hour a day for lunch or whatever that is like the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes back to, if I oversimplify it, is constantly assessing. And if you mm-hmm. don't have any self-awareness, like if you are so busy and overbooked, you don't have time. All you have time to do is bulldoze and deal with it. And that is the most toxic thing, right? Like you're over busy. You can't even do that. And so what you just said is a useful thing for me to consider day to day. I'm fine. And but you know, on the bigger picture, I'm going to cancel on myself. This reminds me of working in healthcare and having a 20 minute drive and forgetting to turn on the radio because I was decompressing mentally 
from everything I saw that day and needed that day. And I think sometimes we don't even consider that. And my family will get the brunt of that. If I work kind of late and then I walk out of my office and like, they're like, I need this, this, and this, and I can get snappy. And that's a sign of like, you're overburdened, overstressed is like when you're rude to the people that you love, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate to have that reminder, but also realistic to have that reminder. Mm -hmm. Or I'll get like resentful of my husband because he used to be a teacher. And just a couple of weeks ago, he resigned to come work with me and just like see what that's like. I know we have a mutual friend that also had her husband mm-hmm. resign I, recently. I can I can, cannot imagine doing this, by the way. But like, I'm so happy for you. Oh, <laughs> well, and it's funny because it's been great to have him not be working because then I can kind of like tell him, Hey, I need this done. He's doing the grocery shopping. He's doing the cooking, that kind of thing. But then there was this moment recently, and I have to really be mindful of this because it's like very seedy to like, you know, have this sneak in. I started feeling resentful that I was the one doing all the work to make the money and that he would be like going and getting lunch with his friends or like doing video games or something. And it's interesting because like, I think he understands why I feel that way. But then he also rightfully points out, he's like, nobody's making you work this hard. You know, like you don't have to do this if you don't want to. And it's something that I have to be really careful about because it'll be like, it is my own doing. If I'm working that hard, I don't have to work this hard. Nobody's forcing me. But then it's this like this sense of, oh, well, it's not fair that you don't have to work as hard as I do. And you know, remembering that I get to control my choices. I get to make the decisions about how much I'm working. And it's not his fault that I've decided that this is how much I'm going to work. And the other really insightful thing he pointed out was like, well, maybe the reason you feel that way is it's a sign that you want to have some downtime. And that's why you're feeling upset because you're seeing something that I have that you want and you're the only person that can give it to you. I can't give it to you. Like I can't force you to get off your computer. I can't like tell you to take a day off or something. So it is interesting. I don't know Sounds why. Like he's a good life manager for you. Oh, yes. He's and- been out the last couple of days and I'm just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to cook anymore. It's like, I mean, it's discombobulating. This, so, this is so useful because this is kind of like why I would really recommend doing the Enneagram, having your husband do the Enneagram, because really looking at how your personalities are makes you understand and be more empathetic to one another so much mm-hmm. more. I was first afraid of the Enneagram my husband got. He's a type eight. This is not for sure what it's called, but it could be called the control person. I was like, oh no. (laughs) It also made sense. And he also like, he struggles to take a break. But I think very early in our marriage, when I was determining what I was going to be doing, my point is he respected me more on the days I went to work which was a contentious piece, you know, before I started my business and all of those things. So there's so much like ebb and flow. If you just observe your relationships and kind of the downstream effect from what's going on in your business. And Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I've done multiple consultation calls with a guy named Alex Palos. who's like a personality expert. It's beyond just, I can't even describe it. You guys will just have to Google him. He's amazing. But I did one for my husband as well. And it's really, really helpful to understand him better at a personality level. Cause like there's just so many things that affect work ethic, and drive and priorities and how you spend your time. And so if you don't realize why you do what you do, it's really easy to just like stay in those habits and assume, oh, that's just how I am. But when you find out, oh, it's not that you are like a workaholic, it's just that you get a lot of pleasure from making an impact on people's lives. Like, and that's working is how I see myself doing that. And that is where it's like, okay, well, maybe I could pull back on work a little and find other ways that would feel meaningful to me that are not like on Zoom calls for 8 hours a day or 10 hours a day. So it is really interesting. I think we all should understand ourselves better. And I think those of us who are high-performing entrepreneurs or business owners, we do need to 
understand what's driving us because if we don't, then what can happen is we turn our business into the only thing that matters. And that can be really stressful in and of itself because you know sometimes we have bad days, bad weeks, bad months, bad quarters. Some people have had a bad year with the COVID stuff. So it's like not letting that be the only thing that gives you a sense of purpose and joy is another big part of it because that's something that can make it hard to take time off or take breaks if it feels like, well, this is the only thing I do. Mm, this is so good. So we could call this hormone health for Enneagram threes. So I just want to Enneagram <laughs> yeah. threes don't celebrate post wins or post accomplishment. They just look at their next accomplishment. But I think what you just said there, which is don't turn your business into everything that matters and find joy and happiness from other things is probably one of the most important things that was said on this podcast so far, because that is like kind of a slap in the... Like when you're trying to build something and grow, it feels like you're putting everything into it. And that whole decompression time coming out of work and trying to assimilate back into like every other aspect of your life, if that is looking difficult, it's like it's like you're all wrapped up in everything. And so mm-hmm. if you've been wrapped up in things, like you said, for 60, 70 hour weeks for a month, no wonder it takes you a while to unravel for mm-hmm. a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Like it's a necessity. And so just kind of scheduling... like Now assessing that is so important. So we've talked about habits that kind of lead to the degradation of hormones. We've already talked about symptoms of what that can kind of look like. I want to talk about turnaround times for essentially healing adrenals. Mm. I want to talk about turnaround times for that because I have some feelings about it. I'd love to know what your feelings are. And then I'd like us to transition into some positive things to end with on some things that we can do today to help improve um, or like good checkpoints to look at to improve this for ourselves. Yeah. Well, as far as the time it takes to recover, there's a lot of factors that go into it. One is how consistent are you with the healing process? You know, if you're like half assing it and like sometimes getting lunch in, but sometimes not, that's obviously going to be a very different recovery experience than, you know, if you're being really consistent with your choices and making hard choices. Sometimes there's going to be choices that you have to make and be consistent with that are really not desirable. Like maybe you have to cut back on how many people you're working with so you don't make as much money for a couple months. Or maybe you have to say no to some opportunities that come your way because you just don't have the space for it in your schedule. And you know that it would push you back into the overly stressed type of behavior. So maybe something comes up that you're like, Oh man, that sounds amazing, but it's just not the right time for me to be doing that. So it does depend on how consistent you're being with your choices and your behaviors. And there's a lot of behaviors that'll affect it. So like just eating lunch is not a solution if you're also exercising too hard or if you're not sleeping enough or if you are, you know, watching the news until one o'clock in the morning every day. Like just one habit change is not going to make up for other problematic habits. So a lot of times it does have to be a pretty holistic lifestyle shift that happens to be able to really see the reversal you know, actually going back in the other direction. So it can be hard. Another thing that can come into play is other things that maybe are not in your control. So for example, the current environment, you know, I'm sure we'd all be doing a little better if life was normal right now, right? Like that's something that's not... Well, (laughs) I feel like some of us uh, would definitely... It depends on if we're watching the news, right? Like, and like, how long can we use this as a an example? Like, I had this client say this was a great reset when everything shut down, but like, here we are coming up on two years late. No, I mean it's a year and a half, but still, like, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I'm like, we can't wait for it to be over. Yeah, and I will say for me, 
recently, a lot of the stress from the situation has come from trying to manage other people's stress around Mm -hmm. it, which is still a choice. I will admit that I don't have to be, you know, trying to show empathy and compassion to people who are choosing to continue in that like super high stress, high fear type of mindset. But that is something where dealing with clients... like I mean, if you're in the health field, I'm sure you're having the same experience where people are a lot more intense right now. And it's our job to show up and coach and support people. And I do feel that if this craziness wasn't happening in the world dealing with humans in general would be a little easier right now. <laughs> like it's just it's a hard it's a hard year to have a job serving people. I will say that. So all of that said, Thank I you do professionals like yeah. the ones that are really in the hospitals as well because that is really hard as they're understaffed, yeah. right? Or like teachers. I mean, yeah. I'm really glad my husband got out of teaching cuz it's just getting worse and I just feel like there's certain circumstances like, cry inside. Yeah, a little bit. And I feel like uh, those circumstances are not in our control. And it is stressful to be dealing with all of these unknowns and policy changes and people's perspectives that don't align with yours and having to like defend your perspective to people that disagree. It's not normal, obviously. Mm -hmm. So I do think there's external circumstances that can affect our ability to heal. So even if you're putting all the things into place that are you know, in your control, it doesn't mean that external stuff isn't going to influence that. Also trauma. So history of trauma actually affects the way that your adrenals function. So you can have a traumatic event and literally your adrenals will completely shift their cortisol production. It's not like a gradual adaptation. It's an actual like like a light switch rewiring the way that they're responding to stressors. So, I mean, I think we've all been experiencing kind of like collective trauma recently, but if you have a history of more of the big T type of traumas, you know, abuse, death, that kind of thing, that actually can affect how fast your adrenal glands are like bouncing back when they're or adapting to stressors. And a lot of times that can create maladaptation because your body perceives smaller threats to be bigger threats, the way that it's responding. So even if you're doing all the healthy behaviors, if you're dealing with unresolved traumatic experiences, it's something that actually will affect how your adrenal glands respond to the same stressor that somebody else could be exposed to. Mm -hmm. So we do have to have that awareness. That's been huge this year. I've been learning a lot about that from one of my business coaches. He's like constantly talking to us about that kind of stuff. So, And a lot of people don't realize... like It's amazing to me how many entrepreneurs have no idea that something from their past is affecting the way that they're operating in the present. And when it comes out, it's like earth shattering. So I think a lot of people have traumatic experiences that they don't even realize are affecting how they respond to things or the behaviors that they're implementing. Like Even just being able to set boundaries. If you grew up in like an abusive home and you don't know how to set boundaries and you work with clients and it gives you like a stress response to think about setting a boundary with somebody that is a stressor. And it's like a double stressor when you're not setting the boundaries and you're wishing you could set the boundary. So there's just so many things. And I'm not saying this to scare people. I'm more saying this to just let people know that this is complicated. It's not as simple as just schedule your lunch and like don't have as much coffee. Like, yeah, that's beneficial. But there's layers and layers and layers of things that cause stress to us. And we have to be willing to acknowledge the things that are either currently happening, happened in our past, choices that we're making, you know, habits that we're allowing to fall back into. All of that stuff can affect us. And it's not about shaming ourselves or 
feeling bad about, oh, I suck that I'm doing this. It's just the awareness of saying, nobody else is going to get me out of this. I am the one that needs to take action, whether that's changing your schedule, getting therapy, like whatever it is to actually get yourself out of that. It is in our control. And the only way that we're going to actually see benefit is by like assessing what is the issue here and being willing to make tough choices that allow us to change it. So kind of not really answering your question, I would say, you know, minimum a few months of consistency for somebody who isn't dealing with like significant trauma or, you know, really bad external circumstances that are affecting their ability to cut down on stress. And then if you are somebody who has current or past trauma or is in a circumstance like, you know, a nurse working in an ICU in a hospital right now is probably not going to be able to recover as fast as someone like me who I can just like hole up in my house and be like, I'm making my schedule so I don't have to talk to anybody today. (laughs) And that gives me a lot more control over the any sort of healing process. So I don't think there's really a an amount of time people should expect. I think they should expect it to take a good amount of time. It's not going to happen overnight. And there's going to probably be some layers they have to dig into to really get it under control. And also sometimes it's accepting that life isn't perfect and we're probably never going to be in this like super blissed out Zen state for the rest of our lives. Well, like you said, like last night I was prepping because today was heavy and I kind of made a conscious decision. Do I want to do this and risk my cortisol and have sleep issues? I decided it was going to take the stress off of the morning and I wasn't going to be thinking about it. And then I have stress reducing activities I can do after that. I don't do it all the time, but I went ahead and used things I knew what to do to make sure I could go to sleep and Mm -hmm. sleep well, et cetera. If you could give people like one or two things that they could start doing today that help them not dig themselves into this hole, what would you say? Huh, that's a good question. Cause I feel like there's so many different things. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully they've pulled some nuggets out of the conversation to apply to their own circumstances. I think the first thing that comes to mind for our current world circumstances in September of 2021 is to detach as much as possible from media, including social media. Cause I really think right now that stuff is really toxic and mentally toxic and putting all of us into a state of fear and stress and anger and all of these negative emotions that are really, really problematic and are going to cause you to react even more with more stress to the more, you know, day-to-day stressors that we're experiencing. So that would probably be like, if nothing else, just like get off screens as much as possible. And that's kind of more... I mean, I don't know. Maybe that'll never change. Maybe that'll always be the, <laughs> the first recommendation. It helps a lot with resilience. So I think it's... Yeah. Bad. Off screens and nature or like fresh air or sunlight, that kind of thing. And then also just... I mean, the second thing that comes to mind is energy balance. Maybe that sounds weird, but like just asking yourself, are you actually fueling your body appropriately? And are you fueling any sort of exercise that you're doing? Because being in a calorie deficit is one of the biggest stressors on a day to day basis that we can experience. Like your body thinks it's going to die if it's in a constant state of malnutrition for calories. So it's going to do what it needs to do to protect you against that. And A lot of that has to do with how we respond to stress and how we feel on a day-to-day basis. So just being honest with yourself, if you are eating enough, if you're exercising appropriately, kind of that Goldilocks principle of exercise, not too much, not too little, taking breaks or like maybe going on a walk instead of doing a tough workout if you've had a stressful day, not judging yourself for making those choices, like really learning how to listen to what your body needs on a day-to-day basis. I'm a very big proponent of combining discipline with 
intuitiveness. So discipline in the sense that there's probably going to be days where I can work out and I'm just like being lazy and I'm like, you know, not wanting to go get my gym clothes on. And then there's days where I'm like, no, I really don't feel like I should work out today. I'm going to take a walk instead. And so being able to really learn what that distinction is for your body and paying attention to how you feel during the workout, after the workout, that's always been huge for me. Like if I work out and I feel better afterwards, then I know I was just being a little lazy. If I work out and I feel like shaky or tired afterwards, then I know it was like, okay, I probably shouldn't have done that. I rarely get into that state anymore because I tend to err on the side of cautiousness and not work out if I'm questioning it. But I do think being able to figure out that line between creating structure and discipline, because as an entrepreneur, like we have to be disciplined. There's stuff we have to do all the time that we don't necessarily want to do. And so being able to do that, but then also being able to tune in and listen to your body, listen to your spirit about like what is it that you really need to be doing right now. And that can help with decision making too. Like if you're trying to make decisions about do I need to cut something out of my schedule? Do I need to, you know, take some time off? Like really tapping into your own spiritual intuition about that because a lot of times we're not listening to our intuition. We're listening to what the world is telling us that we should be doing or what we see other people doing and making decisions that way. So I know that wasn't really like too like solid, concrete guidelines. But I think, you know, just starting to listen to yourself more and asking questions about why am I doing the things that I'm doing and really being honest with yourself. Like, are you doing it because it's good for you or because it's something that you've guilted yourself into or feel like the world and culture is kind of, you know, impressing on you to do and that's why you're doing it. So it's a practice. It's not going to happen overnight. But I think the more we can really listen to our bodies telling us what we should be doing the more we're going to head in that direction of taking care of our bodies and minds and spirits the way we need to. Perfect. Thanks so much for coming on today, Laura. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Sharing and reviewing this podcast is the best way to help us succeed with our mission to help integrate the best of East and West and empower you to raise the bar on your health story. Just go to reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. That's review this podcast.com forward slash less stressed life. And you'll be taken directly to a page where you can insert your review and hit post.